0: Hi, and welcome to Unsolved Mysteries of the World, and thank you for listening. Our podcast currently is on a short break while we record for the next season, and with Season 7, we will be undergoing some changes that I hope you will like. We are still going to have great topics surrounding unsolved murders, unsolved crimes, missing persons, UFOs, the paranormal, and stories about high strangeness. The only thing we are really changing up is that we are going to have a guest host help out with some of the episodes. I would like to introduce you to a new voice, and a host that, because of international treaties and his deep state undercover work, cannot be named by name. He is a highly regarded demonologist and three time winner of the Golden Devil Award at the Burning Sage Festival in Nevada. In his spare time, he collects used fishing line and displays them in his Museum of Discarded and Abused Historical Fishing Items. All of which are said to be infested with demons. Here is our new host, somewhat randomly placed in various episodes. Enjoy.
1: Joseph and Anna welcomed a new baby girl into the world on September 21st, 1952, and provided an excellent upbringing in what was then West Germany. At age 16, their daughter suffered an unexpected and severe convulsion. Rushed to the hospital, doctors later diagnosed her with temporal lobe epilepsy. She would suffer convulsions and epileptic seizures her entire life. On July 1st, 1976, she would take her last breath. Some believe the devil took young Annalise Michel, while Roman Catholic priests attempted to save her by performing lengthy exorcisms. Others believe that the devil is indeed in the details. This is Unsolved Mysteries of the World, brought to you by www.experiencethis360.com. Doctors believe that they could help the teen manage and perhaps even overcome the epilepsy she was diagnosed with at the age of 16. They indicated the common symptoms of temporal lobe epilepsy would include a mixture of different feelings, thoughts, emotions, and experiences. They indicated that during these episodes, she may feel as if everything, including home and family, appears strange. Hallucinations of voices, music people, smells, or even tastes make her also. Annalise had very few seizures and managed to do well in school and was accepted into the University of Warsburg. She remained very close to her family and attended church each week and was said to be highly religious and somewhat withdrawn by her classmates. It was during this time that Annalise believed that someone was following her or looking at her from a distance. According to friends, she was paranoid and sometimes panicked. Also during this time at the university, she suffered a major epileptic seizure, which admitted her to hospital. Under medical care, doctors and health care providers noticed that she was very withdrawn and was often seen praying. While under observation, she suffered another major epileptic seizure and doctors prescribed anti-convulsion drugs, including Dilantin. It is very important here to note that Dilantin has a host of side effects which include mood swings, worsening of depression, behavior changes, and thoughts of self-harm, and suicide. It also has some unusual side effects which include the changing of color of one's skin, excessive hair growth, excessive dryness of the skin, the coarsening of facial features, and decreased bone density, and cases of fractures. During her lengthy treatment, and under the influence of some anti-convulsion medications, Annalise began to tell doctors she was seeing devil faces and hearing voices. She was then prescribed another drug, paracazine, an antipsychotic. It is important once again to note the side effects of this drug. The main side effect is simply sleepiness, but it can also cause drug-induced movement disorders, which are basically involuntary random movements of limbs, head, and body. While on this list of various antipsychotic medications, her conditions worsened. She didn't have any seizures, but she again began having vivid hallucinations and thoughts of suicide. Nearly all of these occurred while she was praying. She told her parents that when she prayed, she could hear voices telling her that she would not do well, she would rot in hell, and that she was damned. For five years, she was in and out of psychiatric hospitals and placed on various antipsychotic medications. Nothing seemed to work, and she was frustrated decided to try to avoid churches and praying, which stimulated the incidents. She indicated that it helped that she was intolerant of any Christian places of worship, and that Christian symbols such as crucifixes. A family friend convinced her to go on a pilgrimage to Italy to San Damiano to confront her issues and to ask God for assistance with her condition. The guide for her pilgrimage heard that Annalise told her that he believed she was demonically possessed as she walked past crucifixes without looking at them and she refused to drink water from an alleged Holy Spring. She told priests that she could not enter churches and could not look upon saints because they sparkled too intensely. She indicated that she could hear people praying but it just sounded to her as if they were gnashing their teeth. Upon her return home, the escort told her to seek a religious intervention, and so together with her family, she asked her parish priest for help. He refused to perform an exorcism and referred her to seek medical help. They tried a neighboring priest and another and another and another, and each one refused to perform an exorcism. In the Catholic Church, official approval for an exorcism is only given when the person strictly meets the set criteria. When they are considered to be suffering from possession or infestatio under demonic control, they should have intense dislike for religious objects and have various supernatural powers. But while Anne Lees avoided religious objects, she still prayed and was not controlled by any demonic force. But as time went on, and now refusing to take medical treatment, her condition worsened. She started to display aggression and performed unusual things like drinking her own urine and eating insects. She also began to self-harm, slicing her arms and legs with sharp objects. Her convulsions also were now more frequent and intense. Her family pleaded with her, and so Annalise saw another doctor who prescribed Tegretol, another anti-convulsion drug. Again, this drug had a whole host of side effects, such as increased thoughts of suicide, drowsiness, and confusion. She was also prescribed a host of antipsychotic drugs with various side effects, some of which we noted earlier. Again, she began hearing voices, seeing the devil. She didn't want to look at religious pictures and now was refusing to pray altogether. Her family was more than ever convinced, as was Annalise, that perhaps indeed she was being possessed by a demon. They called upon their local parish priest, a Father Ernst, who visited Annalise and noted that she didn't have any signs of epilepsy. But you have to remember now, she was taking the anti-convulsion medication at this time. He determined that the family and Anneliese were indeed correct, and that there was a demon trying to take over Annalise's body and soul. Father Alt corresponded with Bishop Strangle, and after discussing the matter, he gave permission to perform an exorcism, but demanded that it be done in total secrecy. They dispatched 67-year-old Father Arnold Rents, who had performed exorcisms before, to the home. Together with Father Alt, they began the ritual, in one-hour sessions while Annalise was secured to the bed. Month after month, day after day, hour after hour, Annalise was prayed over, and the two priests continued the process. Annalise was physically ill and mentally unstable. She would soil her own bed and vomit upon herself. Eleven months later, still tied to the bed that she did not move from, Annalise Michelle passed away. The police investigated, and although they had sympathy for the family, they couldn't believe what they saw in the bedroom. Annalise was a former shell of the beautiful young woman she once was. She weighed a mere 68 pounds. There were feces and urine soaked into her sheets. The priests, of course, told the family that they had won. The devil had not taken Annalise and that God wanted her to die and join him in the kingdom of heaven. Thankfully, prosecutors thought differently and charges were brought up against not only the two priests but also the parents. The charges against the parents were brought forward against all accused parties, claiming that Annalise died as a result of their negligence. An autopsy report supported the prosecutor stating that she died of malnutrition and dehydration, having been semi-starved and immobile for nearly a year. She had sadly broken several limbs and could not move on her own. During this time, a nun came forward and told the family that she had visions of Annalise and that her body had been buried several months ago was now in perfect condition that she would awake. Sickly, the family exhumed the body of Annalise and, not surprisingly, they found it in a natural state of decay. She was reburied and the trial continued. The family was now residing with church officials as the media and curiosity seekers were descending upon their home in droves. The family was still being told that indeed Annalise was possessed and the doctors and medical authorities were lying. The church hired a team of illegal advisors and provided counsel for the parents. They were represented by Erich Schmidt Leichner, who was infamous for defending Nazi war criminals. For some reason, for reasons that some speculate that a large sum of money may have transferred hands, the prosecution indicated they sought no jail time for the accused. They also indicated that they would like to drop the charges against the parents, stating that they have suffered enough, and indicated they would like to see a small fine placed against the priests. The judge, thankfully, did not agree fully. He did drop the case against the parents, but sentenced the two priests to six months in jail with three years of probation. An appeal was brought forward immediately, and the sentence was suspended, having spent no time in jail and having no probation cast against them. The priests were released. When asked about the case, the church's official statement was that their priests were misinformed and that Anneliese was indeed mentally ill and not possessed by the devil. They maintain this position to this day. Ulrich Niemann, a Jesuit priest, doctor, and psychiatrist, whom priests call in exorcism cases, says as a doctor, I say there is no such thing as possession. That's right. A Jesuit priest who is a specialist says there is no such thing. It is his view that these patients are mentally ill and he will pray with them, but that sometimes doesn't alone help. You have to deal with them as a psychiatrist, but at the same time, when the patient comes from Eastern Europe and believes that he or she has been impaired by evil, it would be a grave mistake to ignore this belief system. In 2013, the house where Annalisa died horrifically burned to the ground. Firefighters determined it a case of arson, but those who performed the arson were never caught. Sickly, those who profited from the fictional account of a girl possessed claimed the devil did it to cover his tracks. For Unsolved Mysteries of the World, I'm the infamous Grouse.
0: We'll mm-hmm.